Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another Monday, another Losers Monday on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It was supposed to be different. This was supposed to be a Winners Monday. We were supposed to be celebrating the Broncos being 1-0. But nope, it did not happen. We're going to break down exactly why it did not Mm -hmm. happen. Who is most to blame on this podcast? Henry, Todd, we're rocking with you guys today. I want your initial... How are you feeling today, the morning after? Feeling different, better, worse? How are you feeling? Overall, I think I'm feeling better. Mm. Um, I think after watching the game, talking through it on the post-game show, um, which is great if you're not watching it, you're missing out a lot. Um, Brandon Marshall was in yesterday, so mm-hmm. I'll go back and watch that. But we just were able to talk about and see the positive and the negative things from the game. And if you look at it, there's a lot of positive things that the team, that the team did. Um, you know, one thing I would like to see is Russell Wilson definitely has to have more than 177 yards, but... You know, picking the end zone for the defense, um, holding the team to 17 points. Samad Jay and um, Trevante almost going over 100 yards. Like, there was a lot of positive things that we saw there. Just weren't able to pull it out. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i working on game grades, so be on the lookout for those. I'm, through, I'm only through the Broncos' first drive, which means it's going to be a pretty long day still. But that was a great drive. Like, I literally, like, just finished watching and jumped in my car and came over. So I feel better just going back and watching that and realizing there were things that they did well, uh, especially offensively, which mm. wasn't the case last year. Last year, there just weren't any things that they did well. So at least that's a step in the right direction. But, I mean, it yes, it was brutal. Like, we all came into the season saying if the Broncos can't win these first couple games, they're going to be in a tough spot. Yep. Now here we are, and they lost at 17-16, which is... In some ways, like worst case scenario, it's the exact same score as last year. It it's the exact same thing that's happened in just about every game last year. Four 16 point games last year. I think like average 16.9 or whatever. Like it did feel very similar to last season. And 
having like a couple nice drives doesn't do enough to wash that feeling away. In so many ways, it felt so similar to last year. And in so many ways, it mm-hmm. felt so different. And so this morning, I'm feeling better about this team than mm-hmm. I did last night. Not 24 hours ago, but mm-hmm. after the game, I feel better. But I'm more frustrated than ever because the the what what we saw on defense, it was really interesting how the game played out. Defense mm-hmm. gives up 17 points. You take that in a heartbeat. Yep. You sign up any any per, any team this team plays. Yeah, I would take 17 points yep. um, for the defense. But they really played a lot worse than giving up 17 points. And on the opposite side, the offense only put up 16 points. You will never sign up for that yeah. in the NFL. Yet they played a lot better mm-hmm. than the 16 points. So it's a little conflicting because you're like, well, I'll take the 17 points from the defense. But I won't necessarily take that performance from the defense moving mm-hmm. forward. And then it's a complete opposite with the offense. You will not take 16 points, but you'll kind of take uh, how the game unfolded and how they looked moving forward. Yeah, and you know, one thing I can say by looking at the game, I feel confident because a lot of these things are like fixable things. Like a lot of the defense had they had drive extenders based off penalties yep. more so than a lot of like wide open plays and and missed assignments. So if they're able to clean up their penalties, I think that would result in more three and outs, stopping the Raiders earlier, um, and really being able to put together a better game plan. Then offensively, um, which you'll see today, we'll go through a couple of plays. I think guys missed assignments that are very correctable. Mm-hmm. Like we'll go through the RPO on the goal line. I mean, if Brandon Johnson just takes two fewer steps, that's a touchdown instead mm-hmm. of now we got to settle for three, you know, and our, kick, our field goal kicker has already missed one. I think you put your team in better positions when everybody's executing at a higher level. And I feel like the Broncos can do that. I don't feel like mm-hmm. we're that far away from them being able to have less penalties and then also the young guys understanding where they need to be to execute at a high level on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and the other big thing about this game, like you talked about the you know, 17 points, you probably live with that. 16 points, you don't live with that. Like It's kind of just this weird situation. thing was, it was just a really weird pace of a game. Really weird. I mean, six possessions for the Broncos, that's insane. Like, mm-hmm. that just doesn't happen. So you look at the 16 points and say, oh, that's not good enough. But then you look and say, well, for having the ball six times, putting up 16 points is good. That's like 2.67 points per possession. Only the Chiefs were better than that last year. So in terms of what they did when they had the ball, they were good. You look through touchdown, punt, touchdown, missed field goal, field goal, punt. That's a pretty good output. You look at the fact that they averaged that that last drive was the first time they didn't pick up three first downs in a drive. Yeah. You know, they averaged 10 plays per drive. Like there's a big issue lacking explosive plays that at some point you need to get figured out because it's just kind of unsustainable to try to work your way down the field like that every time. But the big thing to me is that they just blew it at the end when it's when when the teams get so few possessions, it's going to be a close game. Like, it's just so hard to separate when you only get those six possessions. And the fact that the last time the offense had the ball, they went three and out, worst possession by far, mm-hmm. that's, that's just brutal. And then the defense couldn't get the stop to give the ball back, and that's how you lose a game. Is is it was You just need to win the ends of games. What's, what's not acceptable, though, is the second-half offense. Mm-hmm. The, the first-half mm-hmm. offense was great. I mean, eight-minute drives, two of those. Uh, that first drive was masterful, Henry, and it ended oh, yeah. with a touchdown, and you love to see it. But in the second half, the Broncos had 100 yards of offense and three points. Mm-hmm. That's just never acceptable. Um, yeah. So it's not just the end of the game. It was, it was the second half 
that that was absolutely uh, bad because I, I'm not signing up for a, a missed field goal, a field goal, and a punt in the mm-hmm. second half. That That's just not a way to close. So it didn't just come down to the defense's inability to stop the Raiders with five minutes left, which is inexcusable. When mm-hmm. you punt with five minutes left, you should get the ball back. And that was when the defense wasn't able to come up with a big stop. Um, and so it was, it was everything. But the thing that I'm most frustrated about, most frustrated about, is the Broncos lost this game for the same reason that they lost so many games last year, mm. and that's coaching. Mm-hmm. And really? there's so many different mm. areas that you can look at with this and say, that was coaching, that was coaching, that was coaching. And all of those things came up to lose the game for the Broncos. And the most frustrating thing about it was this was supposed to be the biggest upgrade that the Broncos got this year. They were supposed to go from the worst coach in the NFL, one of the worst coaches in NFL history, according to Sean Payton. They were supposed to get a massive boost to a top five coach in Sean Payton. And that's supposed to trickle down to his staff, to the offensive staff, defensive staff, special team staff. We heard that Mike Westhoff uh, is, you know, a Hall of Fame special teams coach. And yesterday, it did not happen. Now, I'm encouraged because I think that is something that will absolutely be changed. I don't Mm -hmm. think Sean Payton took a year off and became a bad coach. But in this game, I think that's why it was so frustrating. And the area you were supposed to be the best at, they failed you the most. Hmm. I feel you, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. Yeah, me too. I don't feel like it was the coaching. I feel like at some point, the players have to go out there and execute the way that they need to. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that Sean Payton could have did about Will Lutz. I know that's his guy, but that's 100% on him to make – at least have a better kick at 55 yards, but definitely make the extra point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about some of the plays on the goal line. If you make the 55-yarder and then also Brandon Johnson runs the correct route with right spacing, now we're talking about 10 points in the second half versus three, you know? And then also, I do not like the three and out when it really counted. I think yep. that, yep. you know, you need to make those plays um, to extend that drive and put something together at the end of the game. That's that's when you win or lose football games. Um, but, you know, Henry, going back to your point about them holding the ball, put together long drives, I think that's going to be their recipe. Mm-hmm. If the defense can play well, the best thing you can do against uh, Miami or the Chiefs is to keep the ball out of their dynamic players' mm-hmm. hands. Like, just keep them on the sidelines for as long as you can and then hope that your offense can have a good running attack let Russell Wilson, you know, kind of pick apart defenses. So I think it was more about the players missing assignments. I'll even show you a power later on today where if Quinn Miners comes up the hole of the way he's supposed to and try, instead of double teaming the end, that could have been a touchdown too. Like there's a lot of plays where I felt like there were some great calls being made that more so players messed up than it was coaching. So one of the things, though, that you mentioned, Will Lutz, a mm-hmm. player that was brought mm-hmm. in, he does have to make an extra point. He does have to make a 55-yard field goal. Uh, but that was Sean Payton's guy. Mm-hmm. There, is, there was nothing was that, Brandon, uh, that Brandon McManus could have done, yep. that uh, Brett Maher could have done, that Elliot Fry could have done. As long as Will Lutz was available, Sean Payton was bringing him in. Yep. And also bringing him in, less than two weeks before the season. This was only the second time that Will Lutz has been able to kick at the stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Sean Payton knew exactly what he was doing. Sean Payton knew that if he wanted Will Lutz, he was going to have to wait until two weeks before. Um, And Will Lutz, it's not like he was balling out these past couple of years. He's slowly declined for the past four seasons. So you knew what you were bringing in when you got him. Does it mean that Will Lutz is garbage and not going to be able to rebound? Absolutely not. He can certainly rebound. But that was a 100% Sean Payton decision. So I think this does fall on him. And then also Will, Mm -hmm. uh, of course. And then uh, just start with the very first play of the game. That onside kick, 
I love the message mm -hmm. that Sean Payton's mm -hmm. sending to his team. Being aggressive, they saw something on film, and as I know we're going to break down later, what they saw on film was right. Yes. It mm -hmm. was a good call. It was. But Sean Payton is not adjusting to this Broncos team. I think Sean Payton, he's bringing a very different mindset in here, and that's great. Mm -hmm. That needs to be here. But at some point, he needs to realize what he's taking over uh, with this team and kind of meet them in the middle and bring them to where he wants to be. And what I mean by that is, this was the worst special teams unit in the NFL last year. Mm -hmm. um, and for the very first play, you're going to do something ultra aggressive with a special teams unit that is not very good from last year. They're not just going to instantly become good. You do that, you're really risking something going wrong. And mm -hmm. something went wrong. He touched the ball yard, uh, half a yard too early. And so to me, I just think... That's Sean not realizing exactly where this team was last year in certain areas, and that is coaching. Uh, if, if you're not able to adjust and understand what you're getting into and you're not willing to, uh, you know, it, it, it felt like he was working with the Saints team and Mike Westhoff that he had been with for years now and knew exactly what he was getting when that's not the case with this team. Yeah, mm. and I disagree again. I, I think that, I mean... That was a great call, and yeah, it's not. That was a great call. It, I honestly don't even blame Tremont Smith that much. It was just a weird bounce for that ball, just to kick straight back and and up. Otherwise, like he was playing it perfectly. But Football that's what onside kicks weird. do. Onside yeah, they kicks bounce weird. Bounce weird. Yeah. Exactly, and it, it's just a tough break when a ball bounces weird. Like if that ball doesn't bounce weird, all of a sudden it's an easy conversion. Like that's not something that coaching changes. That's not Tremont Smith making a mistake. Like to me, it was just a tough break on an otherwise great play and great decision that i love yeah you I've, yeah once again i think you got to put some accountability on the players like True. i think everybody here if sean told you to go out tomorrow run an outside kick and don't let the ball touch you like you should be able to do that you should understand <laughs> yeah. your assignment enough i mean i understand if it was some like super elaborate trick play but just i've been in situations like that and i've seen guys stop let the ball go back and then go like yeah. It's just that simple, and it's not – I don't think that was a hard assignment that he gave him to, for him to not find a way to execute it. So, I don't mm -hmm. know. I feel like, you know, players got to have accountability. I know that everybody's young, and he has to do some coaching. But as far as not letting the ball touch you, I feel like that's a very kind of inexcusable thing because mm -hmm. it is so easy to stop or slow up or, like, let the ball go through. But you practiced it all week. That's something that you should 100% coach yeah. into. Oh, I'm and sure they've said it. Yeah. Well, then why did he do it? Nine and a half yards. It was football. easy. I mean, if you look and we'll see. I mean, he had three yards. But uh, ultimately, I do think that comes mm -hmm. back on coaching. Huh. And, and I think that not necessarily that half yard comes uh -huh. back on coaching. Because you're right. There does have to be some player accountability at some point, Todd. I completely agree. I, I do think that there's uh, some blame on uh, Traymond Smith there, of course. I just think... Man, to make these ultra-aggressive calls with the worst special teams unit from last year is just probably a little bit too aggressive to start off. I do like the message it sends, um, but then the defense takes over, and they go down and score a touchdown mm -hmm. right away. And I want to dive in to more of this because I have more reasons why I think it's on the coaching staff, and I want to hear you guys what, yeah. what, why you defend them and then why also you think that um, that the Broncos lost this game, what the major reason is. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Spirit Hound. You probably needed a drink watching that game. At halftime, mm -hmm. you're probably celebrating, being like, man, Russell Wilson, 17 for 19, yep. two touchdowns. He's great. We're back, baby. Mm -hmm. Probably cheersing a little, Spirit Hound. And then after the game, 
you're probably sipping Spirit Hound to forget what happened. And Spirit Hound is delicious uh, whiskey, award-winning whiskey. In fact, 2022 Whiskey of the Year at the London Spirits Competition. They have whiskey, gin, and vodka, and you can find them in over 40 states nationwide and along with over 100 stores in Colorado. So make sure to look for Spirit Hound when you're at the liquor store to get some award-winning whiskey available in 40 states nationwide. That's Spirit Hound. And if you're not here watching the game, you definitely need to check it out on FUBU, FUBO TV at www.fubotv.com forward slash DNVR. They have 140 live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news. You can stream live TV from any device. Watch the most Colorado sports for the lowest price. You can watch CU football, NFL Broncos, NFL Network, Red Zone, the U.S. Open. Um, shout out to Coco who just won that the other day. So, Go to FUBOTV.com forward slash DNVR and get your watch on. Man, I'm pissed. I'm still pissed. <laughs> and I'm just getting more pissed. I had a conversation with my dad coming over here, and I was fine. And then I was talking to him about the game, and I just got even more angry. <laughs> and oh, uh, no. uh, another reason, Henry, you touched on it with this offense. Um, this offense, I'll take everything about the offense yesterday, mm-hmm. obviously outside of the points, except no explosive plays. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, no explosive plays. And what upsets me the most is that they didn't try. They didn't try for explosive plays. They mm-hmm. tried once. And you know what happened? Yeah. Defensive pass interference. It mm-hmm. was like a 40-yard penalty. A 32, I think, mm-hmm. yard penalty. It worked. Mm-hmm. It worked. And they just didn't go back to it again. Now, I'm not putting this all on Sean Payton, all on Joe Lombardi, all on coaching. Um, because there probably were some shots that could have been taken. But Russell Wilson, I thought, made great decisions mm-hmm. throughout the game of not forcing things, zero uh, interceptions, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really tried that much to have explosive plays in here. Like I said, they really only threw one deep pass. But then Marvin Mims, I think he's your most explosive player without Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. I, th- I know you think it's Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. but would you say Marvin Mims is number two when Jerry Judy's on for the sure. side? For sure. Marvin Mims played 17 plays in mm-hmm. this game. Um, just was not really on the field to even have that explosive threat to to even go with Cortland Sutton. So I just don't think they tried. And that's the most frustrating thing to me about this lack of explosive plays is they didn't even try. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it early on. We knew that they were going to be very vanilla and try to get Russ, you know, his confidence back up and really allow him to get the ball in his hands quick. We saw a lot of quick game. We saw a lot of different personnel, whether it was 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 20, 21 personnel. So they were doing a lot to keep the keep the defense guessing. But like you said, there were no deep shots. There were no over the top trying to take people's heads off. And I think it's because we're missing Jerry Judy. I think they're trying to wait until he gets back in there to really have those explosive plays. But you realize that when your offense only scores 16 points, you do need to have more plays that can result in scores that are much quicker, that get get uh, the defense on their heels. And I think that we'll see more as the year goes on. I think that they're just trying to get Russ right. I can't say that even the P.I., I think he was – off. I don't think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little long. So I think they may see like, hey, maybe Russ's long ball is not there yet. Let, let's get him going. Let's get him moving. And as the season progresses, he'll be able to have better targets. Because had it not been a PI, I don't know. I think it was a little further out than what Cartland mm-hmm. would have got to. I think the other side of that is that, and Sean touched on this this morning, is that that's just the way the Raiders decided to defend him. They just sent guys deep. They they didn't let anything open up, and basically said like the. This Broncos offense was terrible last year. Let's make them work to get down the field. 
and the Broncos said, okay, if you guys are going to play, you know, four guys, cover three with four guys underneath, we can run five receivers right there, and Russ will pick you apart. And Russ picked them apart the whole game. Um, and, and again, the offense worked. Like, I know you brought up that second half, but still 39 yards per possession in the second half, including that seven-yard drive at the end. That's easily the best in the NFL if you just look at last year. Like, to me, at some point, you got to find some explosive plays, but mostly because what you did yesterday isn't sustainable. Not because it didn't work, but because it isn't sustainable. I think, again, like you just look at what they do on a play-to-play, drive-to-drive you know, basis. Things went pretty well. And if I think that this week, though, because of the pass rush that the commanders have, they probably will get more aggressive with those corners. They probably will try to load the box. And, and that's when the deep shots open up. But I think the offensive game plan worked. But, but if I'm the commanders, I'm not bringing those guys down. Yeah, you have a great pass rush still. The pass rush can be great, and you can just protect the the, the, the deep part mm-hmm. because ultimately the Raiders' defense succeeded with flying colors because you they held so? the Broncos to 60. Yes, because that game plan worked, forcing them to go down. And when you, uh, it, when you make a team be super efficient like that, mm-hmm. it makes the margin of error mm-hmm. so thin. And this Broncos team, you got to be great to have such a thin margin of error. And this Broncos offense is far from being great. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that just blows my mind with this offense, mm-hmm. and again, probably some play calling, probably some rust decision making, probably some, uh, it's, a, it's a mix of everything. So I'm not putting this all on the coaching staff. Cortland Sutton had four completions. Mm-hmm. They all came in one drive. Mm. The final drive of the first half. Cortland Sutton was targeted once outside of that drive. You don't have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton gets one target outside of one drive in the game. And I know there was only six drives, but five different drives. Cortland Sutton gets one target without Jerry Judy? How does that happen? Like, <sighs> as a coaching staff, how are you not designing plays uh-huh. for Cortland Sutton? And I'm not even yeah. saying those have to be deep balls. I'm saying they can be screens to him. Get him involved somehow. He is by far your most dynamic, especially when Greg Dulcich leaves in the first half. Mm-hmm. He's by far your most dynamic receiver on the field if you're not going to put Marvin Mims out there. So to me, those were just two very head-scratching things. You didn't huh. have explosive plays because you didn't get Cortland Sutton involved and because you didn't get Marvin Mims involved. And those are two coaching things to me. So really? it's like okay. you didn't have explosive plays, yes, because the defense wasn't giving you stuff, but you also not only didn't try, you didn't give yourself a chance really. There's just no reason to lob up a contested deep ball when your guys are open underneath every play. Like I, I get what you're saying. At the same time, though, they completed passes to 10 different receivers. Yeah. yeah. Like the ball That's is getting efficiency. spread around. Like uh-huh. I just... It's tough for me to find downsides to this passing attack today. Like, again, what it comes down to me is is all the late game stuff. You know, that 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 final drive, maybe there is where you say, we got to go to Cortland here, or, or we've got to do whatever else. But for the first, you know, 54 minutes of the game, the offense was, I, I think, just about everything I could have hoped it would be. If anything, I look at the running game and say, I'd like a little bit more juice there. Yeah, and, and I feel like throughout the, uh, the course of the game, when we did have to punt or kick field goals, I mean, they were very manageable fourth downs. Like, we were yeah. one broken tackle away. Like, if Manhurts could have broken exactly. one tackle uh, out of the two times he had. I mean, like, it's fourth and two, fourth and one, fourth and three. Like, we're doing – we're so close to be able to convert on third down. I felt like they were doing a good job with the game plan. Like I said, one broken tackle away before they're able to extend another drive and maybe get more points on the board. So – I understand that they did definitely feature Cortland, which I love. I've been saying that since yeah. the whole time I've been on here. 
I don't think it was a bad game plan, though, with the way they were able to spread the ball. But I do see the need to have more plays drawn up specifically for him. And, mm-hmm. and one more thing on coaching, the penalties. Ten mm-hmm. penalties for yep. 83 yards. Uh, I asked Sean about that today, and he said uh, a couple of those you're not going to lose sleep over because it's just players making plays. And, uh-huh. and, Todd, you know that that's just going to happen in a game. Yep. Um, you're going to have a couple of penalties that, mm-hmm. you know, just happen. It's part of football. One of the things he did, though, he was point, he pointed at the Raiders and said, well, they also had ten penalties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the freaking Raiders. Talk mm-hmm. about undisciplined. <laughs> you don't want to be the same as them. And just because uh-huh. they have ten penalties doesn't mean it's okay that you have ten penalties. And throughout this season, or throughout this offseason, Sean Payton has considered consistently pointed and said those penalties from last year we were like third worst in the league in Mm -hmm. pre-snap and during the play Mm -hmm. that's gonna change it did not change in this game and last year we consistently blasted the coaching staff for the penalties for undisciplined play pre-snap and post-snap uh and so if we blasted them for it it's only fair that it this coaching staff gets it as well now it's week one Uh uh-huh that Sean Payton has, you know, got his foot in the door. He hasn't fully embraced his culture. He hasn't got all of his guys in here. So, again, I think I'm so frustrated because it was supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. But I still think it, all of this will be different, mm-hmm. whether it's next week, I'm not quite sure about, or whether it's next year. So, I'm frustrated because I know the coaching can be better, and I know it will be better. But now I want to know, what was the biggest reason that the Broncos lost, in your guys' opinion? Uh, I would say definitely the biggest reason, I have to say two. I would say the kicking game, and then I would say, you know, I'm going to put it on the defense, not being able to Mm. find a stop towards Mm -hmm. the end of the game. Uh, Then they got the ball back with about five minutes on the clock. I think you have to find a way to stop the team, um, the opposing offense. I think that's just, it's key. I mean, we talk about it, the four-minute drill. You know, they they need to keep the ball in bounds. They need to be able to run clock out, so... They got to find a way to stop them. Well, yeah. and on top of that, Todd, I think you can take it one step further. Um, the the last drive is something that everyone's going to look at. But you talk about not being get off, being able to get off the field. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to get off the field all game. Mm-hmm. Just like the Broncos' mm-hmm. offense was so efficient, uh, and the Raiders weren't able to stop them as they slowly went down the field. That was the exact same thing on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's why the Raiders only had six possessions as well, mm-hmm. and yep. they were able to milk out the Just clock. Just a weird pace of a game. It, mm-hmm. it was, but it's because the defense wasn't able to get off the field, and I believe it was Kareem Jackson uh, was asked what went wrong with the defense, and I think he was the one that, or Justin, one of those guys, pointed to third down. And now the Broncos weren't awful on third down. I think mm-hmm. the Raiders were like 5 of 13, 5 of 11, the exact same as the mm-hmm. Broncos. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that stat when you look at it, just the inability to get off the, get off the field and the Raiders just sustained drives all game long. And then at the very end, two penalties mm-hmm. to keep them on the field, just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. It really surprised me that they weren't able to get off the field at the end. Because, I mean, they why? just... They didn't, they weren't because able to get they off just the field swallowed before. up that running game, that whole game. And you knew at that point that all they wanted to do is run. They finished with 2.1 yards per carry. And when you're stopping the run like that, especially against Josh Jacobs, you go into that final drive and think like, okay, you can give up a first down here. You just can't give up two. And that felt like it was plenty of time for that defense to get a stop. Like those those linebackers in particular, those first couple drives were just playing with their hair on fire. Mm-hmm. And the big issue defensively up to that point was Jacoby Myers was kind of picking on Damari Mathis. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was... That's another topic that we should get into at some point. But that, to me, was the biggest concern defensively. Um, in terms of why they lost the game, to me, it's the kicker. Like, I, I kind of go to the late game stuff. They, they just couldn't execute at the end. Like, it's that learning to win thing that everybody always talks about. Um, that's number two to me. In close games with very few possessions, you got to make your kicks. 
You just have to make your kicks. Otherwise, you're not going to win the game. Um, and Will Lutz took it hard yesterday in the locker room. He was he wasn't like fighting back tears, but he was like a step away from it. At one point, Garrett Bowles just walked over and was like, "Hey, this is a badass kicker, and we fucking love him." I was like, "It's good to see that from the locker room because he was taking it hard as he should, because that's just." When, when you miss an extra point in particular in a one-score game, but then also having the chance on the 55-yarder, that's just brutal. And you just can't afford to have those possessions. There were good possessions turn out to be empty. So then how isn't that on Sean Payton? Because that was, well, I, mean, I mean, am I viewing it wrong that Will Lutz is 100% Sean Payton's decision to bring in? Oh, no, it was his decision. But, yeah. I mean, it's his decision to start Damari Mathis, too. Like, everything, if you want, you can trace all the way up to the top. Um, to me, though, you're an NFL kicker. You've got to be able to make an extra point. And, and, you know, getting rid of Brandon McManus is another conversation, but there's also, I mean, Brett Maher was one of three on 50 plus yard field goals yesterday. How so was Brandon McManus yesterday? He was good. And he again, that's, and that's why he didn't again, miss a kick. You had, you had the opportunity to keep him and, and they decided not to. But again, to me, it's on the kicker if you don't make your extra points and lose by one. Mm -hmm. And especially in a game like this. I'm curious how Sean approaches this next week. If he's faced with a 55-yarder, uh, not at the end of game, and what was that? Was it fourth and three, fourth and four, something like mm -hmm, that? Mm -hmm. If he instead goes for it. Um, and that will be interesting to see because I, I know that Sean, and he talked about it yesterday, has not lost any faith in Will Lutz, and you shouldn't lose faith in someone after one game, especially mm -hmm. after, you know, it, it wasn't a good game, but it wasn't awful, uh, especially after you just traded for him. You can't lose confidence in him. But I'm curious what his actions will say to that. To be honest, I think he's going to let him kick it again. I think I so, I think too. he's going to want to build his confidence. And we saw mm -hmm. it even in the preseason with Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy ran a route. He dropped it. Very next play, we're going right back to Jerry, and he scores a touchdown. Like, you've got to be able to get your players' confidence back up because it's a long season. We're going to need Lutz for the entirety of the year. So I say he'll, he'll let him at least try it again the very next time. So, yeah, I think you have to because if you're going to go through the season, I'm willing to kick those field goals you're an NFL team at some point you're going to need to kick a field goal that's longer than 50 yards you know mm -hmm. so you gotta you gotta send him out there and let him do it and if it doesn't work then you find another kicker well but you what, can't at, just punt on those at what point do you punt on will lutz at what from either in an in-game perspective where you're passing on 55 yarders to go for it on a fourth and three uh or you're finding another kicker at what point because I think Will Lutz has as long of a leash as you can get for yeah. this oh, sort of really? scenario. Oh, absolutely. I think by, I think Sean, the minute he took this job, he said, once Will Lutz is available, if he is, I'm crossing my fingers, he's my kicker. Um, and uh, so I think he has as long of a leash, but how long is that leash? I don't know. I, don't, I can't see him missing like three or three more. Like, I think that's as long as it could be. Yeah. If he misses three more kicks in like the next four weeks i think like you gotta let him off the leash at that point yeah yeah you would have to yeah that's brutal he's probably here at least a couple more weeks I unless things go horribly wrong like if he goes like oh for four on sunday then yeah monday they're looking for a new kicker mm -hmm. but barring something crazy it's probably give him three weeks or so see where you're at and then make a move what concerns me is when the broncos got lutz two weeks ago we talked to him at the podium and he talked about how he missed all of 2021, 
due to that injury. In 2022, he said his mental space just just wasn't right because he missed an entire season. Mm -hmm. Coming back, it was really hard. And for him to start off like this, not just missing two kicks, but really costing the team the game, mm -hmm. um, I think uh, I'm just curious where his mental space is going to be because we saw that impact him all of last season, the mental space. He's one of the worst, I mean, the worst season of his career and one of the worst in the NFL. So it's going to be fascinating. Let us know in the comments section if you think it's the defense, Will Lutz, coaching, or maybe something else that costs the team the game, and I'm sure everyone's had conversations about this, over some Breckenridge brews and Broncos country pale ale is the brew of the month here at the DNVR bar. We've got some on our set, and uh, win or lose, you still want to be rocking the Broncos mm -hmm. country beer from Breck Brew. Awesome can design all about the Broncos. And it's damn good beer as well. So make sure to check out the official beer of DNVR. That's Breckenridge Brewery. And grab yourself some Broncos Country Ale. And if you want to find them, you can come by the DNVR bar. And if you can't make it by the bar, go to breckbrew.com for their beer locator at the top of their page. That's breckbrew.com. Uh, also, go get yourself some sunglasses. It's uh, The weather's starting to change a little bit which is nice. Like the mornings have been nice and cool. Like today I was walking over to Starbucks and I was like, oh, I should have, I should have worn like a hoodie or something. Mm -hmm. um, but it's Colorado and that means it will still be sunny regardless of the temperature. So there's never a bad time to get shady rays. Also, ooh, it's almost, it's almost time to start getting gear for skiing, but they've got some awesome goggles and all that sort of stuff over there as well. Um, shady rays is incredible. And Right now, if you use the code DNVR, you can actually get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. It's exclusive for our listeners, so go to ShadyRays.com, use that code DNVR, and you'll get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. It's so cliche when after games pretty much every single week, uh, players and coaches come out and say, oh, it just comes down to a couple of plays. Mm -hmm. That's football, though. But it is. I mean, it yep. is football. But especially when it comes down to a one-point game, oh, yeah. there definitely were a few plays that mattered more than other plays. That's why I'm so excited for this next segment that we've got on Monday mornings. We're going to be taking an inside scoop at some of the turning point plays in the game with our inside linebacker, Todd Davis. So yeah. let's get into the, the inside, inside scoop, scoop, baby. Let's and go. we've got a really cool way of doing this. Todd has some plays that he's picked out, and we've got an iPad that he's going to go through and diagnose these plays. Now, because the NFL is the no-fun league, we can't actually play the plays or else we will get in big trouble. So what we can do is we can take screenshots of plays mm -hmm. and break them down. So Todd Davis has an iPad, and he is going to... Uh, Take us through some of these crucial plays in the game and show us. If you're watching on YouTube, this is definitely going to be the best way to do this. If you're listening on the podcast side, either flip over to YouTube or we're just going to kind of talk to you about what's going on in these plays. All right, Todd, what are we looking at first? All right, first play we got is the onside kick. And what we talked about before, there was an illegal touching um, too early, which you can see right here. But I don't think he's even supposed to grab the ball. The ball's supposed to go right here to 21. So he could either take a step back or he's supposed to go block this player here mm. and the ball's supposed to come all the way here and he, as you can see the depth of this player is why they felt like yeah. we could attack this area right here so 
So what you're saying is Traymond Smith isn't even supposed to get the ball. He's no. a blocker and let it go to the outside guy. Exactly. So because of the depth of this player, they saw this opening right here. Because yeah. that's usually where you want to hit onside kicks. So they're trying to get the ball all the way through to this player right here so they can come and catch the onside. And like you said, it's only one yard away right here from it being a great play. But unfortunately, that's a player error. He has to be able to either take mm -hmm. a step back. I know he's a blocker, but he can wait. He, does, he has time in this scenario because... I think the ball gets here and we still get it before they have time to make it happen. Man, what a player error. But also, what? how is this not preached by the coaches? Like, do not touch. It is not your ball. Oh, yeah. and that's so frustrating because, Todd, when you break it down in that last in that last film, I mean, what are we talking? Seven yards uh, of separation there where the ball could land? Yeah. Oh, and the, the tough part, though, is, again, like, he was farther behind. Ball just kicked up and back a little bit instead of just going. But that but is that's onside tough. kicks. Like that, yeah, you're yeah. literally you hoping for weird definitely. bounces. But weird bounces, what caused the problem? It happens every play, though, on an onside kick. Not like that. It and, doesn't matter. And it's tough because it was such a great play call with the depth of this. I guarantee you the rest of the season, they're going to move this player. They're not going to have him back as far the Raiders he's going to be moved up and be ready for this onside kick from now on but it was a great call in my opinion because it was so close and even with the ball bouncing around we get back on it but it just it was the illegal touch and that stopped us from having a great play to start the start the game what's so crazy to me is that they were able to see this on film last year yep. and uh, it was still the same this year yep. so that just must be how it's I don't think that player is making a mistake it's nope. just how the Raiders coach their special teams yeah that's an alignment error um, all by the coaching staff he's lined up exactly where the coaches have been telling him to line up and sometimes there's there's people that go back and watch all your film and tell you you know how you're doing on kickoff or how you're doing uh, based on percentages and, mm -hmm. and covering kicks, but sometimes they don't go and look at alignments. And literally this alignment could have been a big loss for them, but it ended up working out. Man, I love this breakdown. By the way, this is so freaking cool, Todd. <laughs> uh, it, the comment section, absolutely loving it. So if you like it, hit us with a thumbs up. It helps us a lot. All right, these are two dynamic guys. These are my guys, Pastors Tan and Justin Simmons. They're man-to-man -man on these two receivers right here, which I think is Jacoby and Devontae Adams. So really quick, Todd, let me just set the scene. Fourth and one yep. in the first quarter, that first drive by the Raiders are at the Broncos, 35. Yes, so it's a very important play because this ends up leading to them getting the, the first touchdown, first score of the game. So they're gonna, he's gonna, they're gonna motion down a little bit and then they're gonna run a pick route. So he, they're just trying to get in the way and confuse these two defenders right here. So, Jacoby's going to come down. No, we can't see it. And then Devontae's going to come up and get in the way and try to confuse Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons, and then Jacoby's going to leak out. Well, what happens is that I think there's a lack of communication right here between Justin and Pat, mm -hmm. and they kind of both followed Jacoby. Even though Justin had hit uh, Devontae so well, he kind of nutted up the play to start. But just because of the protection that Jimmy G has, he has time to roll out of the pocket when, mm -hmm. in reality, they actually did a great job of stopping the play. Then over time, I think Devontae gets lost in the shuffle of everybody moving. Everybody's going to the sideline as they see Jimmy G, and he kind of just leaks back a little bit and finds this opening as everybody ran to the sideline because Jacoby is the number one target on that. So they did a great job yep. eliminating that. They just have to be able to have great communication like, hey, if he goes out, then I'm, I got to hit and lock. I got to hit and stay on that guy so that when he leaks, I can stay in coverage and we can have them both covered up. And it seems like on the boundary that typically be Pat's responsibility to, to drop back. 
Because you have Justin up there, and typically, like, if it's more like a cover three build, Justin's probably responsible for the flat with Pat over the top. Now, Pat has to come down uh -huh. because otherwise that's open there. In this specific play, I think they're playing man-to-man. -man. Okay. I think, I think they're mano-a-mano. -mano. Everybody is lined up. He's, he's here for the QB sneak or the dive. I think everybody's manned up. We're man here. We're man here. Everybody's manned up. So it's on these two players to say, we used to call it tango, like um, me and you, like us two. You're on the outside, I'm on the inside. Whoever goes out, you got. Okay. Whoever's on comes inside, I got. And I think mm. that's what they were playing right here. I'm so happy you brought up this play because speaking of frustrating, this was such a frustrating play because it's mm -hmm. Devontae Adams is yeah. the one who slides open. But it makes sense because, it, and especially when you're watching it, Jimmy G's just floating back and yeah. then starting to float backwards, and you're like, the Broncos have this. Exactly. And then it's Devontae that just slides open. So I'm really... Uh, it's awesome to see how that happened because mm -hmm. it was so like if it's Jacoby that's sliding open, it's uh -huh. like, okay, well, they were just too focused on Devonte. But when it was Devonte, it was like, no, that's the one guy you can't just let leave open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because like I said, they did a great job of stopping it initially. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just as time goes on, sometimes you lose guys in coverage and that's exactly what happened. I feel like when Jimmy's dropping back, you can just feel him being like, oh shit, this isn't going to work. And then somehow <laughs> he just slides open. Yep. So this is another play here uh, for the Broncos. This is going to be the touchdown to Cortland, which I think he did a great job. So he's running over here. You're going to have the back leak out here. You're going to have – so the defense was 100% ready for it. You have this defender right here looking for the over. Yeah. Oh, we don't have the deep route. Oh, here it goes. He's coming running straight to Cortland. So it's actually a good play by the Raiders. They have everybody locked up. Yeah. But, a, but Cortland does a great job of as soon as Russell Wilson starts to scramble and get out of pocket here, he finds a way to make room. They have a – there's like in the scramble drill, there's a saying that if you're deep, you want to come short. If you're short, you want to go long. But the only problem with this when you're in the end zone is I can't really come forward because I have to – I want to stay in the end zone. I want to be able to make a play here. Right. So Cortland does a great job of giving him a nice hesitation and finding space mm -hmm. because the, the defender is back – is turned to the quarterback, so he doesn't know where Russell is. Mm -hmm. So he gives a nice little juke move, comes back on the inside, and Russell is able to deliver a nice ball. And I thought that was a great job of Cortland – finding a way to get open on a play that was really well defended and a play that is really tough to get open because like you said there was no there's really nowhere for him to go so he did a good job it was a hesitation move exactly because that sold the defender that he was going to stop or go the other way and then because we see it from one frame to the next he's completely covered mm -hmm. and then the next frame he has what a yard and a half two yards on him exactly yeah exactly that's exactly what happened so um that's just being a veteran by Cortland. i think yeah. that he just you know, used his ability to shake and get open and made a veteran play and was able to get a big touchdown for us. Because if you look at it, everybody's covered. There's nowhere really to go with this football if Cortland doesn't make that, you know, that nice move to get open. Man, such a great breakdown there. And you're right. He couldn't he couldn't come closer. He couldn't go further. Yeah, that's all it was. So this is the next one. This is a nice run by uh, Samaji P. Ryan. So we're looking fourth quarter, 10 minutes left. Yep. Brought ball on the Raiders 20-yard line, first and 10 for the Broncos. This is hard-nosed football. This is what the plays I would love to make <laughs> and the plays I'd love to play against. So they're just going to run a power right here. So then they're going to have Quinn Miners block. They're going to have the, um, the fullback come and seal off this end. And Samaji is supposed to come right up the middle to in between those two players and basically hit his head on the goalpost. So as you see this play develop, Quinn Miners actually misses his block. So from here, everybody is coming up. Ooh, let me see if I can erase it and go back. The tight end comes and does a great job sealing off the edge, blocking his defender out. Quinn Miners is going to come up through this gap. You're going to have a block down, block down here. 
Quinn Miles supposed to come up and seal this linebacker um, so that he can't come down to make the play. Well, he misses this block, and this linebacker absolutely fires and shoots the hole. Mm -hmm. And Samaji makes a great play by making this guy miss. But if you look at the play, we're blocked here, we're blocked here. And if Quinn Miners turns, Samaji should run and hit his head on the goalpost. Mm -hmm. There should be no – if he's able to make this – Block right here, and it takes just a little trip. All he has to do yep. is get in his way. If he doesn't have to use extra effort to make this guy miss, there is nobody out here. Mm, yep. There's a the the wide receiver is doing a great job on his block, and literally, and you can still see it with all this space and room. Like if this person's not oh, here, no. we're running for days. And just look at Quinn's body right there. That he just... knows. He knows. Like, oh man, I missed my yeah. block. Yeah. So that's why I say, like, you know, we talk about coaching, but sometimes this is a simple player mistake. And it's not like a horrible, like, not a horrible play, but it is mm -hmm. a play that is costly because it could have led to a touchdown. Yeah, right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? This would have been like a, a third. What, what yard line are we on? We're 20. talking about a 20-yard touchdown run. Like, yep. that's a big play. Yep. So I think that these are the kind of things that they're going to have to clean up for them to be successful. And that's all just about a player remembering to come as tight as mm -hmm. he can and look inside out instead of outside in. And yep. if that's a touchdown, Broncos score 20 points. Broncos probably win the game. Yep. Oh, and we never talk about Will Lutz. Because he hasn't missed the field goal. Exactly. He even still has the extra, extra point, point but. but it doesn't come up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, this is the last play. This is second and goal. Um, that eventually leads to another Bronco uh, kick, which should have been a touchdown. Um, right up here, we're running an RPO. Russ is running an RPO. So you're going to have Samaj Piran, who has running a dive, and they could decide to hand it off, or they could pass the ball. And um, who's this wide receiver? Brandon Johnson. Oh, okay. So they run the RPO. He's reading this linebacker right here. And if you see him, he's waiting, but he's taking two steps in. Two steps in. So he's like, okay, I'm going to hit the RPO right here, and we're going to score a touchdown. Well, the problem on this play is Brandon Johnson comes too far inside uh, on his route. He want, he, what they want him to do is they want him to stay outside and have a two-on-one on, on the safety. You're going to have the tight end to the flat, or you're going to have Brandon Johnson sitting right here. And now the, the corner is going to have to make a decision. Do I take this tight end, right. or do I take Brandon? Mm -hmm. So if he's sitting right here, it's going to be a quick pass, and he'll fall in the end zone. If the corner's on him, then we're going to throw it to the tight end, then he'll run in the end zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It should be an easy play. But what he does is he comes too far inside, which allows the linebacker to recover, yeah. to get back out there. And now this is, you know, we lost four points just off of the ability to sit down early and not float inside. And once again, I think it could be coaching, just reminding that player to find this pocket, find this window. But it also is a player, like, you got to know to sit here because – you know, now we're talking about the score is 20 to 10 going in, you know, nine minutes into the fourth quarter. That's a much different game for the Broncos. Mm -hmm. So yep. um, just some mental errors there, some mistakes, some good plays that we saw. And I think that they can they can learn and grow. That's why mm -hmm. I have confidence in them, because, it, you know, if he's two yards more outside now, we're talking about touchdowns. They're making some good plays. They just got to put it all together. Man, Todd, incredible mm -hmm. breakdown. And those were, you know, it, it, you talked about it pretty much every single play of those. If the Broncos execute better um, on the plays that didn't work out, Broncos probably win that game. And so literally this game, more than other games, did boil down to just a few plays and you broke it down perfectly. And the good news is I think these are all things that can be fixed as yeah. you showed us. Yeah, and it didn't feel like anything was really uh, drastic, but it, 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 it boils down to points. You know, mm -hmm. and at the end of the day, I feel like they're all fixable. That's why I feel like 
it didn't feel as bad as last year, and it didn't. I think that the play calling was actually on point, even though mm-hmm. there weren't explosive plays. The power was called at the right time against right. that right personnel. That um, run RPO was called mm-hmm. the right time on the goal line. Like they made some great plays. Now guys just got to execute. And they took what the defense gave them just exactly. about every time. Exactly. And that yeah, I they were so close. Like it, the offense was so much better than last season. It just resulted in the same thing. Yep, yep, they did. 17 points allowed, 16 points scored. And Todd, there's one more coaching decision that I want to ask you about, and I think you're the expert on this, and I already know Hank and I disagree about this, and I want your opinion after I tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now's the time to get in on the action. Todd, did you get in on the action this weekend? Uh, I did, but I had the Broncos winning, so oh, I don't know if man. I wanted any money. You can save yourself tonight, <laughs> Bill's. Jets and what's going to be, I think, an awesome game. I'm looking so forward to mm-hmm. it. Jets, a slight underdog at home. If you want to get in on the action, go to DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. And if you use the code DNVR when you sign up, place a $5 bet on any NFL game, and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That means you bet a $5 bet on tonight's mm-hmm. game. They're going to give you $200 in bonus bets, which you can use tonight. You can use it on Thursday night football. You can use it uh, on college football on Saturday or the Broncos Commanders game this coming Sunday. That's code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So head to the App Store now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use that code DNVR to get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting 5 bucks. That's code DNVR over at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW york or text hope ny 467369 and connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino resort in kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see dkng.com slash football for eligibility terms and responsibility gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and restrictions apply and also, you know what? When you're pulling that up, why don't we hop into our DraftKings Sportsbook oh. pick of the week right now? And I feel bad about this one, but I just think it's the best bet of oh, the week no. this week, which is the DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. That's kind of the the point of it. I'm not betting against the Broncos. That's that's not the way I'm going here. Oh, really? I'm betting against my wife's CSU Rams. Oh, the line call. for the showdown is only 21 points. At least that's what it was before the Broncos game yesterday. They're going to cover that in the first half, CU. So I'm taking CU and the 21. This is going to be like 50 to 10, 55 to 13. This is the type of game we're looking at. Um, CU has covered the spread in both their games so far, and they're going to easily do it this game. Yeah, I don't see uh, CSU <laughs> being a problem for them. No. Sorry to all the Rams no. nation out there, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be um, even a chance. It's going to be like they're playing Montana. It'll be. Okay, Montana would kick ass against. I guess not this year against the Buffs. Last year would kick both those teams' ass. <laughs> no, yeah, they would definitely get their ass kicked. By they wouldn't get their ass kicked. Year. They wouldn't win. I don't think they'd win. They wouldn't cover a 30-point spread. What's the spread for freaking Colorado State? It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to the Rockies game tonight. Oh, and I'm sorry. No, there's good news. Oh. Kyle Freeland is pitching. So the oh, old good. like the, the general betting advice for the Rockies is that if Kyle Freeland isn't pitching, you bet on the other team. And if Kyle Freeland is pitching, then you don't bet at all. Um, <laughs> but for me... It doesn't sound like a pick of the week. No. 
but they're plus 150 and I'm going. So I might as well cheer on the rock. How many more times <laughs> am I going to lose money on them this season? This might be the last time, honestly. Like, so I'm yeah. going to take advantage. We're going to pull for the upset, playing the Cubs, who I don't like, but not for any good reason. So plus 150, Rockies to win. Kyle Freeland's going to have a, a great night. I love it. I love it. Todd, what are you rolling with? You know, I think it's going to be a lot of great games all around the league, but I do feel like this Chiefs-Jags game Ooh. is going to be tough. I mm-hmm. may, I would take the Jags in that Ooh, one. I feel like that's go. not a bad Chiefs, pick. The Chiefs might be on like a little bit of a losing streak. Kelsey, I don't think he's going to be back healthy yet. I'm still missing Chris Jones. I'm taking the money line on the Jags. Ooh, what What oh. is the line in that game? That is, oh. Who's favorite? The Chiefs are probably favorite because yeah, they're the Chiefs. Yeah, it's plus 120 to take the Jags. Man, oh, wow. that is wild. The Jags, Calvin Ridley. Yep. Man, what a steal the it Jags be, got for I him. I should have exactly. taken that one. My goodness, he looked good. Also, right, my Colts pretty close in that game. They were competitive. They were. Yeah, Anthony Richardson yeah. looks good. Kind of mm-hmm. fun. Also kind of crazy. All three rookie quarter or yeah, all three rookie quarterbacks lost. All five new head coaches lost. So wow. that's like yeah. that's half of the losses in the league. That, More than half now because tonight there's another game. It's but. not that shouldn't be a surprise no. taking at face value. Mm-hmm. But it just was supposed to be so much better for the Broncos because like Sean Payton's a new coach, but he's anything but a new coach, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And if yep. you look at his record in first games, you I mean he started to a hot start when he got to New Orleans. He averaged like 28 points a game as a head coach for his offense. And then we just, all these things were rolling. It yeah. felt good. Yeah. Um, they didn't get to happen, though. But man, yeah. at least it wasn't the Cowboys uh-huh. uh, and Giants last night. Yeah. Embarrassing oh. for the Giants. That Holy was cow. Real. That was another one. I did not do well betting this week. First of all, but that was the one that to me was the killer because I would have just taken the Cowboys. Like I I placed my Cowboys Super Bowl bet. Like I I know I'm crazy, but I'm all in on the Cowboys this year to not take that because it was pretty close to even money. Two and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah, That was the one after like I was right about that one. I just didn't make my money. Yeah. Okay. We got to get into this predicament, but I think we got one more thing to talk to the people about. Oh, we do. It's. Our friends over. I forgot again because yeah, I got you so like distracted. Yeah. Get there. You did. Um, oh, oh, of course, Volo. Because uh, we love Volo. Um, what do we love about Volo? I'd be down to play in a cornhole league. We went over to a place that will remain unnamed because they don't give us money to name their name on uh, Saturday. Played some cornhole, drank some beers, watched some fights, watched some college football. Cornhole is just a great game. I think the world needs more of it. Like, I think that that's just like the perfect because anybody can play it. Like it's if it's your first time playing, you can mm-hmm. still go out there and you're not going to be great, but you can do, do just fine. You spend all your time. Play, like it is just so competitive. It's so perfect. Uh, I think that that is a great game. And I think we need a cornhole team at DMVR to play uh, through Volo. I love it. Yeah, I'm kind of hooked at the moment. I think tailgate season also kind of mm, gets yep. me in the mood for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Volo is <laughs> awesome. They raise a whole bunch of money. They make it so that kids can play sports for free, which is a really great thing to do. Um, and right now, if you want to sign up, you can pay 20 bucks per month for unlimited pickups, drop-ins, and tournaments. They've got all sorts of different sports, like traditional ones, softball, and flag football, but also things like cornhole. And they've got leagues all across the city. Lodo, Rhino, Uptown, City Park, Highland, Sloan's Lake, Arvada, Northfield, everything. 
Um, so get your Volo Pass, start playing, and if you use the code DNVR10, you'll get $10 off at www.volosports.com slash Denver. Okay, one more thing before we get into this uh, question that I have for Todd. Yahir wants to be mean to me, so let's pull up our AFC West standings here. Oh, Zach. Uh, great. I'm Damn. 0 for 3 this week. <laughs> Henry and Todd, you're not much better. Uh, one and two. It's better, though. It's and better. Ryan and Alexis, better. two and one. Uh, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday we'll dive into uh, to these games. But what's just, again, just so sad, really, is you watch the Broncos' offense and you're like, ah, oh, they took so many steps, 16 points. You look around and uh, you're watching, you, you're seeing the highlights of the Dolphins-Chargers game, mm-hmm. and they're just scoring 80-yard mm-hmm. touchdown after 80-yard yeah. touchdown. Both teams put up mm-hmm. 34 points. Dolphins top them with 36 points. Two is throwing for 450 yards. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill has more receiving yards than Jimmy G and Russell Wilson had passing yards. It's just like such a different mm-hmm. game. But... The Dolphins went into Los Angeles and beat the Chargers. Chargers found a way to lost. They charged. Yeah, they certainly did. I tried did. to give them a benefit of no doubt, didn't <laughs> yeah. I? I tried. Yeah, you did. You did. Never again. Yep. Never I did the same thing. Again. And somehow the Raiders are freaking one game ahead of every team in the AFC West. Crazy. And that's kind of the good news to me. Yeah. Is that maybe maybe we should be concerned about the Raiders. Um, I'm still not concerned about the Raiders. To me, it's going to come down to probably the Chiefs winning the division. I haven't said something like that in a while, but start doing your thing in the comments, I guess. Um, but but that's why you haven't lost any ground on the Chiefs. You haven't lost any ground on the Chargers. And and while I think the most likely path, path to playoffs is still the wild card, you look at the division first, and they're, they're still in it in the division, which, I mean, it's also after week one. So. <laughs> right, right. Of no, course it, you're in it. It is a good thing is that there's only one team with a win in your division. The thing that sucks about it is, of course, that that was your easiest division game this and, season. Yeah, it was True. supposed to be the worst team in the division. True. Um, and I can't say that they looked horrible. They didn't look out, all out of place. I mean, I thought with all the stuff going on with Chandler Jones, yeah. Jimmy G just coming over, he actually looked like pretty on point, which sucks to say. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that definitely, I think that was the easiest game to win so yep. we'll just have to find a way to win the other ones yeah, and, and, and one of the one of the things that sean said about the pass rush because he got asked about it last night got asked about it again and he's spoken about it in kind of a weird way he hasn't said like yeah we just need to be better it's more you know we have different options like we wanted to stop the run this is what he said last night and so they were great at stopping the run and because of that they probably had that defensive line just focused so much on not giving anything up mm-hmm. the fact that and he's brought this up a couple times that jimmy gets the ball out so quick that offense gets the ball out so quick even if you have a great pass rush, it probably doesn't come into play all mm-hmm. that often. Now, last night, there were some plays that got extended, and so I think that that it was obviously wrong. But they locked in so much on not only playing the run well, but also keeping a lot of guys in coverage because that's the other piece of the Jimmy Garoppolo thing is that he, ha- he has a couple bad throws a game. And those bad throws come when you have guys in coverage that he just doesn't see. And usually that happens a couple times a game. I guess there was the one when Alex tipped the ball to Kareem, but Mm -hmm. you would think dropping that many guys in coverage, I would have expected another pick from him. Well, and uh, one of the crazy things, the Broncos, uh, I believe, brought the third, had the third highest um, blitz percentage in in the league up till tonight's Uh Monday night game. I think they brought pressure on 41% of the snaps. They had by far the lowest uh, pressure rate in the NFL. So Sean said yeah. it came down to two things: um, bringing more people or just beating exactly. one-on-ones more. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an issue of bringing people because by that they 41% that 
Blitzrate, they were bringing people. So what Sean said without saying it was, mm-hmm. we need to win our one-on-ones. And the Broncos' pass rush was disappointing. I understand. I mean, it's a different quarterback, but it's the same game plan uh-huh. with the Raiders. Derek Carr, what did he do when you guys played him all the time? He got the ball out so quick. Yep. Vaughn, Bradley Chubb, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett were neutralized exactly. when they played Derek Carr. Uh, so, But you got to find different ways to get to him in the Broncos. Uh, th- that that was maybe my most concerning thing from yesterday in terms of uh, a player perspective was a pass rush was just non-existent. Yeah, it wasn't there. But, I mean, it's tough when they get the ball in their hands that, that quick. Um, I think rush and coverage have to work together. So coverage has to do a good job of uh, stopping plays. And even that play that we went through today, they did a great job of stopping it initially. It's just over time, the line was sliding that way, and there was no way for people to get around the edge to get to Jimmy G. Yep. Um, but that is something we, we need to do more of. And I told you guys they were going to pressure. I mean, I talked about it. Yep. Area 51, I said, you're going to yep. see some safety blitzes, corner blitzes. They're going to try and stop the run. And I think that they did um, Definitely. stop the run. It's just... And and it's like it's not even like he threw for three hundred yards. No. He literally had two hundred yards, yeah. like two hundred yards and two point one yards of carry mm-hmm. on the ground. Like we're taking that. Todd, <sighs> I feel your frustration in your voice right there. It's it's just oh man. Yeah. They did so many things right, and you mentioned in Area Fifty One that the safety corner blitzes coming from the side were going to happen. Yep. That happened multiple times to mm-hmm. success. That's how Caden got hurt. And unfortunately, yeah, one of those was Caden. That wasn't hurt. my fault, though. No, it no, wasn't. no, not, <laughs> not you, not you. And unfortunately, we found out today that Caden Stearns. Um, it's being reported by Ian Rappaport that he tore his patella patella oh, tendon. He's out for the season. Um, Sean hasn't confirmed it yet. He's getting an MRI, but I would bet on Ian Rappaport being right yeah. on that. So unfortunate. This was yeah. supposed to be Caden, Caden Stearns' breakout season, and uh, he can't even get through the first full game. Mm-hmm. I feel awful for him. I mean, I don't know if they showed it on TV, but 10 seconds after he was down when trainers were running over to him, he took his helmet off and just threw it. He knew. He, yeah. was, he was so upset as he was leaving the cart, mm-hmm. slamming his hand on the cart. He knew that it was season-ending, and I just feel awful for him. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. That's a tough injury. Um, and like you said, this was supposed to be his season. Everybody's excited for him to play. He was finally named, like, co-starter. He was about to do some big things. So um, that sucks, man. Get healthy, um, just rehab, and try to come back as strong as you can. Yep. And now you need Kareem and Justin to stay healthy. Um, it would have been nice to have all three because then you get to do all the fun things that we'd been excited about during the off season, But – now you're a little bit thin. Like you've got PJ Locke there who actually played incredibly well when he was on the field last year. Like I think my PFF was like their second best defender. He just wasn't out there much. And so you force a game winning fumble. I think he had a pick too. Like that helps. So it's 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 tough. Luckily they were they had a spare starter there. And mm-hmm. you just have to hope that they stay healthy. And Greg Dulcich too. Yep. Also MRI today. Yep, for a hamstring injury. And we know Greg has dealt with hamstring injuries many times over the past year. So it's it's so unfortunate. It he is. talked about that was the number one thing he did this offseason was focus on making sure his hamstring didn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And he pulls himself out midway through the game because it, it, it tweaked again. So really mm-hmm. unfortunate. And that was one of the reasons why Sean Payton pointed to a lack of explosive plays. No Jerry Judy, no mm-hmm. Greg Dulcich. Well, you know what? You're going to have to figure out explosive plays somehow uh-huh. because you're not going to have Greg Dulcich for a while. I think Jerry Judy is going to play this coming week. Um, but even then, Jerry Judy sometimes uh, misses games. So you're going to have to figure out a way to find explosive plays without Greg Dulcich. Yep. Um, okay, we, went, we got the inside scoop with you earlier, Todd. Yep. Now I need the inside scoop on Drew Sanders. This is, I think, another area where I question the coaching. Drew Sanders, 
played zero snaps on defense yesterday um and henry in the comment section was already yeah. saying how he thinks it was the right decision that's to not what play i would have done i think drew sanders needs to be on the field throughout the game at some point what do you think um i don't know if there's a need right now i think yep. the things that we've talked about are um safeties or corners you know uh, damari had a pretty tough game and i think that it's only going to get tougher because when you playing with another uh, corner who's all world I mean they're just not going to throw to him as much as they can so um, he'll have a lot of opportunities to get better and make plays but as far as linebackers I didn't see anything glaring to where I really felt like he needed to be on the field we needed more of a pass rush he's not really a pass rush guy he's there to stop the run and cover there weren't any big plays by tight ends there weren't any really big runs 2.1 yards to carry I don't see a need for him right now. Maybe eventually we can get him in there, get him warmed up. But as for right now, I think his specific position wasn't a position of concern. But see, I, I, it's not taking uh, or replacing Alex Singleton uh, or Josie oh. Jewell for me. That That's not what, what You think Drew you can play all is. three, though? Drew Sanders, you, you want to play all three safeties. I think you can play him because Drew Sanders is that athletic. And I disagree with you a little bit, Todd. I think he he's that chess piece playmaker on defense, specifically when it comes to the pass rush. And when the Broncos need that pass rush, I think you put him on there. And I think that he's not a replacement for Caden Stearns. By uh -huh. no means am I saying that. But... When Caden Stearns left, I think that was an opportunity where you could have used Drew Sanders on the field. Again, I'm not saying he should have played 80% of the snaps, but I think he should be in there a couple of plays. And Vance talked about it in the preseason. He said we have certain plays mm -hmm. and packages for Drew Sanders to be on the field, um, and we just didn't see it at all. I think he's that playmaker that the defense needs specifically when the pass rush isn't getting there. <laughs> You know, maybe he's just a young guy. I don't think I've seen mm -hmm. enough to really say that he needs or has to be out there and it's going to make yeah. a big difference when he's out there. Um, and then when you're playing against a lot of 11 personnel, having three linebackers, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage. You're going to have one linebacker that's going to have to match up with a Hunter Renfro or or a slot receiver. And even though he's good at covering, I don't like that matchup for any linebacker. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't see a point where they could have put him in yesterday and really made something happen. Now, if you get against a team that runs a lot of 21 personnel, 12 personnel, yeah, I feel like there's a spot where we can find a way to get him in the game. I just don't think that there was much of an opportunity. And then also with the pass rush, like you said, the ball is coming out of Jimmy G's hand so quick. I do not feel like he would have been effective to the point where we had to find a way to get him on the field. But maybe over time he shows it. I just don't mm -hmm. see it yet. I haven't seen it. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I think if I had played him, it would have been in the dime. Mm -hmm. And they, they had Alex playing as the dime linebacker, which is kind of interesting. I think it probably makes more sense than having Josie there. But it's He's a good just... cover line. I mean, if exactly. it wasn't, he tipped the ball yeah. to get the pick. Definitely. Like, yep. He's yep. definitely yep. doing well in coverage. That's why I feel like I don't really know where I would put Drew right now. Exactly. And that's because that's like the easiest replacement is just say, mm -hmm. like, there's a role for you. Um, but I do think with Caden gone, it does kind of open some some doors. I think that you could even go into like a nickel package and say, if we have Alex and Drew, then we feel good about coverage. Like you kind of cheat away from Josie into better coverage. At the same time, though, you're never doing that against Josh Jacobs and the Raiders because mm -hmm. you want Josie Jewell, not Drew Sanders in the box there. So there might be teams where you think like that. At the same time, though, I think Josie played well too, so I don't take him off the field. And I, I, I guess the other way you could have done it is by pulling Frank Clark off and playing Drew on the edge for some of those, which I think if you developed him the right way, that could work. But I haven't seen him actually work on any edge pass rushing yeah. moves during camp, so that makes it kind of tough yeah. too.
maybe maybe also on third down. Um, there wasn't any points where they were like third and 15. Exactly. Third and 12 where they really could put just know they can mm -hmm. go and put together yeah. a pass rush. Because even, you know, when I played for the Broncos, there were times we would take out a D lineman, put another edge rusher yep. in, allow him to work on the center of the guard. And I think that will work. That's somewhere he can use his versatility to be great. But unfortunately, they just didn't put the Raiders in any really backed up or long third down yeah. situations. Yeah. I've, I've liked what Vance has done um, in the preseason training camp. I haven't had any critiques of him. But when I realized that Drew Sanders didn't play a single snap, it reminded me to what our PHNX Cardinals mm -hmm. reporters said about Vance being a defensive coordinator. And their biggest critique of him was he refused to play young players. And when I saw that Drew didn't play any huh. snaps, I thought, oh, no. Is this just going to be where, like, no young players get any playing time? Um, now, it could just be one game. Uh -huh. But that I, I, that I did think of that. And, like, huh. man, if it's just going to be a refusal to play young players because they're simply young, I don't like that. Again, it could change next week. And, and my fears could be alleviated. But Drew Sanders is a guy that I think needs to be on the field. Not necessarily because it means anything to do with Alex Singleton mm -hmm. or Josie Jewell not playing well. No, those guys are the starters. They should play a majority mm -hmm. of the snaps. But if you have this dynamic piece, you got to get him on the field occasionally. Uh, so that's just, that's just what I want to see. And I, I still just, when I think of those, like the Vance Joseph young players there, I don't put too much stock into it just because I don't think those young players are very good. Like Isaiah Simmons just got cut, you know, like, or I guess he got traded. Isaiah but they Simmons just got him. traded and the new defensive uh, coordinator can't stop raving about him it's in true New York. but i just don't I, and where new york the giants yeah oh yeah yeah 40 zero yeah this kid's phenomenal he's gonna help us so much <laughs> oh okay exactly yeah <laughs> i think at some point drew's gonna get his opportunities and i think the first ones are probably going to be in those like clear pass rushing situations where you line him up in like an a gap b gap see what he can do um or it's football so at some point josie and alex is probably going to miss like a series at some point and he gets in and i hope that when he does get his chance he uh good call that he uh he, he <laughs> looks good and that's when he can really force their hand and say like okay we got to find a way but right now you've got alex you've got josie alex played so well last night i'm, I'm excited to go back through that and i thought josie played well too mm -hmm. and i think if, if you're in a situation where you say we get to Oh, look, we get to find another linebacker put on the field. To me, it's like, get Alex on the field more, and he's probably on there. Get Josie on the field more, and then I get to Drew. All right, let's hop into the comment section. We got a couple of super chats to hit, and when we're hitting these, please hit us with a thumbs up. Really supports us. Thought we've had some great conversations today. First one coming in from But Why says, Play calling felt more vanilla than the preseason. Where are the screens, the bombs, the trickery? Felt like he didn't want to show the bag. I, I don't, mm -hmm. in terms of being vanilla and not wanting to show the bag, that was maybe my biggest surprise from yesterday mm -hmm. was I thought Sean was going to throw everything out there this week, next week, at the beginning of the season. And there were, I mean, I, I didn't need to see a flea flicker like we saw from the Raiders, like that type of trick plays, but there wasn't that much crazy stuff going on that I thought was going to happen. It wasn't crazy, but there were little things. Like, there was one play where, so, like, uh, Dulcich is lined up on the right. It's a run to the left. Instead of asking Dulcich to block, they have Dulcich, like, 
like make this little cut and he makes like a great little cut fakes like he's running like a little zig route to the outside gets one of those linebackers sucked up with him russ keeps running the play action and so you wind up with part of the defense moving this way as the run goes that way like there were some of those little things but there wasn't much big stuff there was a screen on the first drive and ben powers didn't get to his block so it got blown up but the big thing to me is that they took what the defense gave him like mm -hmm. i still that final drive not good and something needs to get changed there they need to figure something out the rest of the game, though, if you can just pass the ball for six yards a pop and complete 80% of your passes, you do that every game. Like, they were clinical in the way they moved down the field. <sighs> I mean, your two running backs had four catches each. Uh -huh. Troutman had five catches. Mm -hmm. And uh, your receiver, your number one receiver, had four catches. You do need to push the ball downfield a little more, though. Maybe. We saw it last night. Doing this leads to 16 points if you're not going to add any sort of threat down the field. Yeah, I think that, you know, we like his playbook and all that he can do when he was in New Orleans with the Hall of Fame quarterback. I think he has a quarterback now that he's trying to get going. Um, you know, he still only had 177 yards, and part of it's play design, but part of it is you have to do what this young man is comfortable with in order to keep putting more on his plate. If we came out and ran 20 trick plays today, Russ's head probably would have been spinning and mm -hmm. resulted in two or three picks. So I think they're trying to keep it vanilla for him more so than that's the game plan they want to do. I think he's trying to do what's best for the team and Russell Wilson just to get them back going, just to get them back in the fold and kind of speed things up and take their time with it because it is a long season and we need him to be comfortable before we can just run every trick play that we have in our book. And to me... Some of it feels like they did the hard part, too. Like, getting Russell to, to go through his progressions and find the open guys underneath, that's the tough part. The easy stuff is when you get somebody who's open deep. Like, that, that's the kind of thing where Russell's made his name during the course of his career. And that'll come. Now that you've proven that you can move the ball down the field when teams just play this soft zone coverage sitting deep, like, you will get sliced apart. Now those things start to open up, but you're not just going to all of a sudden press up and start giving up deep balls against this offense after what you saw last year. But Henry, it didn't open up throughout well, the game, game yesterday. Yeah, but if I'm the I'm commanders, season. I know, but if I'm the commanders, I'm not changing anything. I'm doing exactly what the Raiders did. You think so? You yes. Think, I, I don't think so. They got picked apart. Like, like you cannot let Russ just carve you up 80% completions. Like, he, he passed the The Raiders test. will take that, uh, that exact outcome every time. I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> I'm encouraged with what Russ did. Yeah. I, it's not anything against Russ, but, like, you talk about how this offense was, you know, you'll take that all the time. No, I won't. If, if you could run for five yards a pop every time, would you mm -hmm. do that? Because this is the same thing. Like, you just balance. do it. I felt like it was, there was definitely balance there. I just felt like... He didn't have many opportunities to really... I think if he was able to do this instead of six drives for 10 drives, then we're talking about, oh, he had a great mm -hmm. game and, and we don't have any problems with it. I think it's just because the limited amount of drives that we're frustrated with how it worked out. But if it was, you know, like the normal amount of drives, then it's a, it's a solid game. But plan. I mean, but that's what happens. You're going to have fewer drives when you do this, though. Well, so, so this is going to translate to more of the six, seven drives when you do it like this. But if you're not, if your defense can get a stop. If the Broncos stop the Raiders' offense once or twice more than they did, now we have eight drives, and then it looks a lot better. So I think mm -hmm. that I think they're playing to the best of the team's ability. We have good running backs. We're going to run the ball. Our O-line is better at run blocking. We're going to run and then dump off quick passes to make plays. We have a good defense. We're going to account for them to get stops to get the ball back to us. Mm -hmm. But when one of those pieces doesn't work, 
it kind of makes everything look skewed. But in reality, that's the best plan for this team. Let yep. the defense play hard, get you the ball back. You guys take time off the clock. You guys put together short, quick plays for Russell to be uh, confident. I think that's the best game plan. Just defense didn't get the stops that they needed. They didn't play bad, but just they needed some three and outs. They needed some big plays to really give our offense back the ball to make plays. And I and I guess we'll find out more about this defense moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a stat from Andrew Mason, you've already mentioned the Broncos average, what, 2.6 yep. points per possession. The Broncos defense gave up 3.4 points per possession. That was so the problem. If you want to give the Broncos offense credit for being good on possession basis, the defense... Can you look at what they did yesterday and say they're going to be getting a lot more stops moving forward? We'll find out. Again, I don't want we'll to base everything off one game, but that was a concerning part. Yeah, the, the, yeah. It, to me, again, what I come away from this game, it's crazy we haven't talked about Pat Sertan at all. He had an incredible game. Yeah, he he was really locked down. He you know had Devontae in jail. You know, like that was. You know, I haven't talked about Pat Sertan today? Because he's an all pro corner. That's what happens with those guys. Because we'll be talking with him Come on. all day on Tuesday. Tomorrow. Wait, what? What kind of Tuesday? Tuesday. P.S. Tuesday. P.S. Uh, Tuesday. Yes. Tomorrow, yes. so you're gonna want to stay uh-huh. tuned. But then, because we're gonna be breaking down how amazing Pat was exactly. all day. But Damari, like he's the reason the defense struggled, and I hate saying it. And, and we saw us last year. He showed up, um, got thrown in because uh, Ronald Darby got hurt. And had a couple tough performances. Second half of that game, he struggled. Next week, he starts. He struggled. And was good the rest of the season. So you hope he bounces back. But to me, that was the flaw in the defense. And that, that's why you couldn't just have Pat trail Devontae and just play man on Devontae all game. Because then you're leaving Damari manned up on Jacoby Myers all game. And we saw how that kind of played out. Um, to me, that was the big storyline defensively is that Damari just couldn't hold up there. And again, it's one game. It's one week. It's one matchup. Jacoby Myers is a good receiver. But you want him to be able to handle those sub Pro Bowl type players, and, and he he needs to, to to find something next week. And I disagree. I think Pat should have been on Devonte Adams <sighs> even more. Mm-hmm. I think he was on him twenty uh, ish snaps. He should have just followed him the entire. But that's game. probably just the man coverage, like because because it felt like he was lined up across from most of the time. It, when he wasn't, it was like he was in the slot and it was like his own coverage. So you can't really do that um, if. When, you can't just go. I, I would personally design the game so Pat's on him all the time. You just yeah. have to run one or some two zone coverage. Yeah, and he played so well yesterday, I would even go the extent of not even having Jason, Justin over there. Like, whatever happens with yep. Pat, let him yep. go one-on-one. Yep. We'll live with the result. Let Justin lean over to Damari's side. Let yep. us have some help over there and try to shore that up as much as possible because I think – because Pat is so good, no matter where the safety's leaning, I think quarterbacks just aren't going to want to throw there for the most part. No. So you can lean your safety to the left or the right, wherever Damari is, and give some more help to shore up his pass ability. Yeah. Pat Sertan was so, like, he was an all-pro, yeah, a first-team all-pro last year, mm-hmm. and he was so much better in this game yep. than he even was last year. I can't even, I mean, what's the next step up from all-pro? Like, all-world? Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, mm-hmm. he was showed that he is the number one quarterback in the cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, no, he played great. He I did. think it was the holding call. I think they were both big. They were both pulling and tugging. I don't even know if I would have thrown that, but he was really locked down. Yep. I believe Marshawn Lattimore is the only player in the NFL with more pass breakups as of today. It's one week, but 
Yep. It's a start. He had yeah. three on Devontae Adams. Pretty impressive. All right, yep. let's now get to the next super chat from Caden. Says, Russ looks sharp for only having six drives. We had four scoring opportunities, and Russ made two great improv touchdowns. Fans need to take a breath, and that's something that I certainly haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very, very encouraged by Russell Wilson, Definitely. and that ultimately is why I said 12 hours later, I'm feeling a lot better about this offense mm-hmm. um, is because of how Russ looked. Yeah, he looked good. He didn't look like last year. It didn't feel like all hope was lost or we didn't have an offense or, you know, having one three and out, I know it came at the worst time it possibly could. Like, that's a yeah. really good game. Um, and I know that last year we probably had all three and outs and one good drive. So things have changed, and mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. Ten plays per drive. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, that's more obviously best in the league last year. But I think the Broncos were at, like, 5.4 or something for last year. The fact that they were able to control the game in the way that they did – it's definitely a big step in the right direction. Tough part is it's just tough to dig your way out of 0-1 with that loss. Yeah. Yep. Danny says, how do you guys feel the running game was? Thanks for the great show. And go MSU hashtag Bobcats. Yeah, how about South Dakota State? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about what they did? I love the way that Javante and Samaje ran the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... Did, you love the way Javante runs the ball. Samaje is just the yep. exact same type of runner I think the issue was they didn't run it enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was shocked at halftime, the split on pass to run. And then at the end of the game, the split on pass to run uh, was not very close, especially for it being a close game. You know, at the end of the games last year, we look back and say, well, the Broncos threw three more times than they ran the ball. And it's like, yeah, because they were down for uh, 45 minutes of the game. They mm-hmm. kind of had to. But this game, they weren't. They were in it the entire time. Yeah, Russ had 34 dropbacks to only 22 rushing attempts. Um, I would like to see even more balance there. Broncos ran the ball for um, about four and a half yards per carry between Javante and Samaje. Yeah, yeah, they looked good, and they really turned uh, nothing into something with a lot of those runs. Um, so, yeah. you know, them being able to make, you know, one-yard loss into a 10-yard gain, that's a big deal for them, and I think mm-hmm. that if we can just get a couple more good blocks by our O-line, I think our O-line did good overall, but just a couple more key sell-off blocks, man, these backs are going to be great. So um, I look forward to them getting more and more opportunities. I do think it's going to be a 50-50 split between the two backs for the time being. Yep. Um, but I think it's good. It keeps them both fresh. You know, that's tough on defenders when you're trying to tackle a fresh body every single play. So <laughs> it'll be good. They wound up a little pass-heavy because it was like about 60% passing plays. Would have ranked about 12th in the NFL last year. So just like for context, they were pat more pass happy than average, but not by a crazy margin. Um, I think part of that's because so much of those were short passes. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of had that short game going. You didn't feel like you needed more short, consistent gains. You were getting those. What you needed was explosives. And so what you need is to call those passing plays and, and hope that somebody botches the coverage and you get somebody open deep. It just never really happened. Well, you can't have them if you don't try. Yeah, but you can't just be throwing up contested passes. Like if those those guys are covered downfield, there's just nothing you can do. Like well, you take the open play, you put, open man. Put Marvin Mims on the field to have those. This uh, is something we're just gonna keep going back yeah. and forth on. But do we have a Raiders fan with a super chat? Is this Raider Prophet chiming oh, wow. in? Says Jimmy G shook off those hits. No fear in his eyes. Concerned third and Renfro had no targets. I don't care about. <laughs> I think yeah. for the super chat. That we was, don't really need to break down uh, the Raiders. I am cra- surprised by that. That Renfro had zero targets. That's wild. It is. I didn't even think of him last you, game. Like it legitimately was just Damari Dem- and Jacoby Myers. Like you 
DeAndre Car- Carter had one target, caught Sex at five yards. Grass, Sex there you go. <laughs> I forgot about that. Zamir White, running back, one catch, five yards. Austin Hooper had one catch, went for 20 yards. Josh Jacobs had two catches, went for 23 yards. They've got Devontae Adams, six catches, 66. Jacoby Myers, nine for 81. Like, there was nothing, basically, outside of those two receivers. And, you know, Devontae having 66 yards, you love that. I mean, he had 90 a game last year. You and love that. And you didn't have to spend that many resources on him. To, to hold him to that so it's the fact that jacoby myers like defensively that was the reason to me that they didn't win this game man and i just wonder what would have happened if they kept pat on Devonte all game because i i absolutely yeah. sign up for Devonte going for 66 yards mm-hmm. but he had four catches for 44 or four catches for what 55 yards when pat wasn't on him mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. if you eliminate those what's the game look like it, it it's interesting all right are we done with super chats Okay, let's, let's get to a couple of these comments on the website because I want to hit them, uh, and we'll try to hit as many as we can in a few minutes. DK says, what a strange game. I feel like I have more questions than answers. Russ looked improved, but only threw for 170 yards and just 52 in the second half. The defense only gave up 17 points, but I don't think they forced a single three and out, and it never felt like they had control at any point. With only 13 total drives in the entire game, do we just chalk that up to as an anomaly, or is there cause for concern? This is the first time since 2000 the Broncos have only had six possessions. So yeah. it's not something that's going to happen often. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, it's incredibly fluky that it did. Like, first of all, you need two teams who play that style of football. Like, the Raiders, how many times did they bring in an extra offensive lineman? Mm-hmm. It felt like a third of the snaps. They had that number 77 in there as an extra lineman. So they obviously just want to run with Josh Jacobs. The Broncos, the way the game went, everything deep covered up. You just pick them apart underneath. That lines up. Then you start to throw in the third down penalties. Those were happening. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the free first down the Broncos got when uh, the they got the running into the kicker call. Yeah. Like there were so many of those that just extended the drives on top of it as well. That it it did turn out to be a really fluky game. But Sean Payton said after the game, there's so many different ways these games can go. It's not just about learning how to win games. It's about learning how to win each particular type of game. And this is the t- a weird type of game where if you get the ball with six and a half minutes left just because of how much time both teams are chewing, you should probably understand this might be the last time you get the ball. Like you can't go three and out here and you're, you're definitely not getting like three possessions like you might in another game. Mile high sign says, Hey guys, I definitely think we're going to beat Washington next week and hopefully we can figure it out. All shout out to captain Todd Davis for bringing Brandon Marshall on the show. Uh-huh. That was pretty epic. Sorry for the long post. Thank you guys. Go Broncos. Man, Todd, you, you guys killed it yesterday with the pregame, the postgame. It was awesome. Yeah, I had a great time. Um, you know, it's always fun to bring my boys on, and Brandon's definitely one of my boys. It was his birthday yesterday, so if you mm-hmm. hadn't shouted him out and wished him a birthday, please go do so now. We also had uh, No Sean Moreno and Monty Ball on the <sighs> pregame show, so I'm definitely bringing my friends through. I have some more guys that are going to come on later show, so make sure you check us out. Maybe I'll start bringing some of my friends, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple casual football fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, here says no, not happening. Onion Bronco says, oh, wow, got rid of the booty. Maybe after oh, the wow. last comment. <laughs> it says, what flavor ice cream would you use to describe our defensive game plan yesterday? What say we get Drew Sanders on the field? Love, Onion Bronco. Well, we've already talked about Drew Sanders. How would you describe the game plan on defense yesterday, Todd? As far as like an ice cream yeah, flavor? Might be onion flavor. flavor. Uh, oh, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Um, I would say like uh, like uh, pistachio. 
It's <laughs> not everybody's cup of tea, but it's not bad. You know what I'm saying? I think I it's like, like that. that. I like that. Yeah, I would maybe go with something like extra brownie, uh-huh. where it's like you know it takes a long time to eat, gets mm-hmm. the job done. But yeah, maybe not some people's cup of tea. I'll go with vanilla bean. Mm. I think that's what it is, because that's like a really strong vanilla flavor. Mm-hmm. To me, that just like there was a there's all the vanilla is just like the assets they threw at the running game. It's like we are shutting that down. But there it was pretty bland behind it. Mm. Yeah. 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 All right, let's hit two I'm more comments. Uh-huh. Bronk Euler says, as maddening as this game was, I'm encouraged that Russ looked decisive and comfortable. That mm-hmm. said, if we're going to play this clock-chewing ball control style of football, our margin for error is non-existent. So mixed extra points, multiple 15-yard fee- uh, penalties, failed onside kick, et cetera, aren't going to cut it. We also need to make a big play at some point. Russ still looks reluctant to scramble. Cortland is not the dominant force on the perimeter we've wanted him to be. Jerry mm-hmm. is hurt and is inconsistent with his hands when healthy. Javante and Samaje aren't really home run threats. We have no explosive playmakers, and that is a little troubling. Mm, I have to disagree with you, my man, on that one. I appreciate the comment, but I do think Cortland is a deep threat. He didn't Mm -hmm. really have many opportunities like we talked about. Um, The one was a P.I., but you got to be in a good position to even get a P.I. So Mm -hmm. I do think Samaje and Javante are home run threats. When you don't have to hit somebody one yard in the backfield to turn it into 10 yards, you know, you can you can have a a good run and put together a home run. So I do think we have a lot of good pieces, but I do agree with your point about our margin for error is slim. Um, If we're going to play the keep away game, we can't have penalties to extend their drives um, as a defense and allow them to keep themselves on the field. So we do have a small um, measure of error that we can have. So I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And just scares me a a five and 12 team that has from last year, which has gotten better, but that has a small margin of error. That scares me. That's just what happens when you don't have. If if they had one more player on offense, everything would totally open up. Mm -hmm. Like if you had a George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and all of a sudden the defense has to lock in on him, that would open so much up. If you have a Devontae Adams, who you just have to like pay attention to regardless, um, running backs are tougher, but like it does feel like if they just had that one more explosive piece, it would just open everything up. But until then, things are just going to be kind of hard to, to, to produce and last comment from zen broncos as my boys i had to wait a little bit before i was able to comment logically on this post with that being said watching this game <laughs> i definitely felt russ was doing better he had two touchdowns when there was plenty last year where he didn't have any seems like other than the pick that our defense didn't want to get the raiders offense off the field we need to get pressure on the other team there was no reason we should have not had any sacks as much as we have invested in our pass rushers also we need to get out of kicker purgatory people are talking about brand uh, brandon mcmanus but he averaged about a missed field goal and extra point a game last year i know a lot of people loved him as a person but he had to become uh um uh, let's he talks about Brandon and, and how he was an issue off the field. And he says, I will hate to see Todd the great leave, but I hate seeing my Broncos lose as well. But with that, wait, what? What did I miss here? I know a lot of people loved Brandon McManus as a person, but he had become too confrontational and it showed by how many times he missed and he acted when he didn't get his way with the coaches unless todd knows something we don't it seemed like he didn't have to worry about what happened because they were not going to cut him 
I know I would hate to see Todd the Great leave, but I hate seeing my Broncos lose as well. But with that being said, we might need you to pull the pads on again and crack some more uh, skulls. Uh, leave the podcast and join the Broncos, I see, said JK. You guys are doing an awesome job, and I'm loving the surprise guests such as Pat Sertan and Brandon Marshall. Happy birthday, by the way. Sorry for the long rant, but I still do have hope, and I'm just more upset because of who we lost to. Keep up the good work, everyone, and most importantly, go Broncos. Yeah. One thing from that, you know, mentioning the assets that they've put into the edge rushers, they're like 18th in spending for edge rushers. It feels like it's so much because you have Randy Gregory who makes whatever, 10, 14 million a year. Um, you've brought in Frank Clark late. He's like 7 million. You spend a second round pick on Nick Benito, but like, I mean, just about everybody has a first or second round pick for an edge rusher on their rookie contract right now. The thing is people just spend so much. Like I think they kind of, they screwed up not keeping Von Miller. And I'm just going to keep going back to that until the day I die or he retires. Well, and I, I think when he it, retires first. When it comes to edge rushing, <laughs> I don't think anyone is saying that um, the Broncos should have a top five edge rush mm-hmm. unit in the NFL. I certainly don't expect that, but they're spending about average on that unit. Yep. And so I think people want to see average. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I am concerned with this group, not from yesterday, just from where they are. Um, and we're going to we're going to see in the next coming days, be, or next few weeks, because it is tough to rush a team when they get the ball out so quick. But we're going to see if Sam Howell kind of takes that approach this week. And it felt like Benito wasn't out there much, but that could either be because he wasn't out there because he just didn't really have much of an impact. But that's something I'm watching for because that could be, yeah. at least at least you have more guys that you could say, ah, Frank Clark didn't quite get it done. Let's give Benito more run. Um, or let's give, at some point, Baron Browning more run. So it's not I'm not ready to give up on it because there's so many different guys we've been talking about all offseason. But the combination, whatever happened last night, didn't work. I think it's always like we're always trying to figure out what could be best for uh, the team and what guys to put in. But, it's, you know, the coaching staff is with them every single day. So who they put out mm-hmm. there is literally the best they feel like we have. Yep. Like It's rare that you have a guy sitting on the bench who's better than the guy in the game. Like, they're literally trying to put their best foot forward. So uh, we could definitely go through the depth chart, but <laughs> I think it's going to take the starters figuring it out. Training yeah. camp darlings, especially mm-hmm. a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans would always get so upset. Why isn't Jordan Taylor out there? He's uh-huh. making plays at training camp left and right. You think the coaches are saying, no, we're going to cut him. Uh-huh. Even though he's really good and can help our team, we're going to cut him. Typically, the coaching staff knows who the best guys are, Todd. It's, it's a good sure. point. <laughs> did you sure. see River Craycraft yesterday? Yeah, got uh, a touchdown. Yeah, he did. And he was playing a lot, too. Um, oh, they didn't credit him with the start, but he was basically their slot receiver. Wound up with a touchdown, 40 yards receiving. Man, when you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill next to you, you probably do get open a decent amount. Yeah, it's true. And we'll get to see the Dolphins in just two weeks. Let's hope the Broncos offense can score some points because that Dolphins offense is looking good. We're going to break down the football team, the Commanders, coming up this Sunday. And tomorrow, stay tuned. PS Mm -hmm. Tuesdays are back. We're going to have the best cornerback in the NFL with us the entire show. Thank you so much for rolling with us today. We'll talk to you tomorrow on PS Tuesdays.
I'll take you back one last time.